everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone who was a guest last season on season two. She's an assistant professor of English at Broward College, and she's a member of the Xavier Society. She's also a huge Jane Austen fan, and her season, her episode last season is currently the number one most downloaded episode of this podcast ever. It's Francesca Marinero. Hi, Francesca. Hi, Julia. Thanks again for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. You're like my number one guest ever. So thanks for doing it again. <laughs> How does it feel to be the most downloaded guest? Pretty exciting. I was pleasantly surprised when you told me that. So <laughs> I'm glad that, that people are you know, finding it helpful, inspirational or fun, whatever, you know, what have yeah. you. It's, it's always, that's always really encouraging. Yeah. It's um, at people who, when I ask people like to be a guest, people are always very hesitant. They're like, oh, well, I'm not a scripture scholar. And like, you, you're a scholar and you're, you know, a literature scholar, but not necessarily like a theology degree, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so like, but like, I mean, that's, and that's the thing I've had priests, I've had nuns, but like you are number one girl. So <laughs> no pressure, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure this time at all. Um, well, why don't you tell the listeners, I've said a little bit there, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself, maybe if they haven't heard the other episode already. So yeah, so I am a, I'm a cradle Catholic, born and raised. I went to Catholic school from preschool all the way up until 12th grade. Um, and so I've always had a pretty constant walk of faith. Both of my parents are Catholic school teachers. So the the, um, you know, I know I mentioned on the first episode that being Catholic is something that has always sort of been woven into the DNA of my life. And in some ways, I think that I have taken it for granted um, just because it was always there. And I think it's probably something that's true for a lot of people. It's been really during this last year and a half or almost two years now of, of the pandemic that I really started to take even a deeper dive into my faith. I was spending a lot more time with the Bible. I was spending a lot more time with scripture. I was spending a lot more time doing things even virtually that I hadn't done prior to the pandemic, spending a lot more time doing things like watching masses with the Pope and um, really kind of exploring avenues of the Catholic faith and Catholic rituals that I hadn't before. So it's, and it's something that I've been grateful to have been able to find time to fold into my schedule now that things have opened up a little bit more and life has returned to something that kind of sort of resembles normal. So mm -hmm. I was concerned that I wouldn't, that that would fall by the wayside, but fortunately it has not. So I'm, I'm kind of impressed with myself. Yeah, <laughs> you should be. <laughs> No, I, I'm impressed too. I'm impressed with you too. I think for so many of us, um, you know, now we're recording this at the end of 2021. I think we spoke earlier this summer maybe. And so, you know, it's been a good six months or something and things have not really gotten any better. So it's impressive to me that you still like are, yeah, sticking with your faith life and going to scripture in this time. Cause I think for a lot of us, maybe it seems kind of hopeless and like, what's the point, you know, like, what are we even doing anymore? So it's, it's impressive and, and um, I don't know, hopeful to hear that you're turning to your faith in these moments. Um, so you have a scripture verse picked for us. Um, we are going to talk about Psalm 121. And I'm, I can't wait to hear why you picked this. So I'm going to have you read it whenever you are ready. I raise my eyes to the mountains. From whence shall come my help? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip or your guardian to sleep. Behold, the God of Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your guardian. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. By day the sun will not strike you, nor the moon by night. The Lord will guard you from evil. The Lord will guard your coming and going, both now and forever. Okay, so we get a little bit of context, and then it is a really beautiful psalm, so I can't wait to talk about why you picked it. The heading for this psalm is called The Lord Our Guardian, and it is a song of ascents. The Psalms are attributed to David, who was a musician, but he probably didn't write all of the Psalms because some of them were written during the Babylonian exile, which is much later in history. But all of the Psalms have kind of an emotional quality to them and they are meant to be sung. And so to hear a song of a sense, you know, it's definitely a more positive kind of uplifting. You know, it starts by saying that we're lifting our eyes up to the to the mountain and the mountain that's probably referenced is most likely Zion, which is in Jerusalem where the temple was. So it's a little bit of background just on the Psalm and just kind of where we're at. Um, in history and in the Bible. Um, but why did you pick this psalm and this scripture, Francesca? This came about, in a way, I think, via a sort of, you know, circuitous, accidental route. Um, I get daily scripture verses on the on my Bible app that I use um, on my phone every day. And I get a, a scripture verse that pops up in the morning. And a couple of months ago, I want to say it was maybe in the middle of the summer, this one had popped up as my daily scripture verse. And I looked at it and then I took a second look at it. And I was thinking a lot about the fact that so often when we're struggling, it's very hard to find words to pray. And then I thought to myself, well, there are prayers there. They are all in the Psalms. And so if we can't find the words, let's just use the words that are written for us in scripture. And so I started repeating this to myself as my mantra. I have started repeating it to myself when I, you know, when I pray the rosary, I've been repeating it like at the end of every decade of the rosary and just reminding myself that there particularly in this time that we're not alone. And I think that what is particularly poignant about this for me is that when I decided initially to choose this verse, uh, to choose this passage, I had been feeling in a pretty comfortable place in my life. It was at a time when we thought maybe the things were looking better <laughs> during the pandemic, you know, and then the end of November and December happened. And there were all kinds of things going on in the world and the news and the pandemic and, you know, with work and my job and my personal life. And I thought, oh gosh, okay. So we're kind of, the wheels are falling off again. And so I chose this verse not because it gives not because every time I look at it and every time I repeat it, I feel abundantly hopeful and powerful and energetic and have this rose-colored glasses outlook on life, but I chose it because it is a daily reminder to me of just how hard it is to remember that all we have to do is look up to mm -hmm. God and look up to the heavens because and it is a daily reminder for me because I forget I forget more often than I should. 
Amen. I, I mean, you're not alone in that. I think that's a really, that is a really beautiful reminder. Is there a particular verse you said that you recite at the end of each decade or at the end of each rosary? Like, is there a particular verse that you recite? It's verses, it's verses one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I really, the ones that I really, really like is, you know, just after that, when this is, you know, he will not allow, he will not allow your foot to slip or your guardian mm-hmm. to sleep. And that it's just a reminder that we have, uh, you know, we have the father, son, and spirit, but we also have our, you know, our guardian angels Our, I'm sure that many of us have, um, you know, saints that we pray to daily. Um, I have such a open door policy relationship with St. Anthony that he's probably tired of hearing from me. <laughs> so, you know, but we have, you know, we, we have recourse, we have the Lord, but we then we also have others who will intercede for us. You know, we have the saints, we have the blessed mother, we have the Holy spirit, we have our, you know, we have the, the archangels and our guardian angels, our personal guardian angels. And so I think it's really important for us to remember that God does look out for us, but he's not also doing that alone, that he has a whole army of others that are looking out for us as well. That's a really beautiful point. As Catholics are absolutely right. We do have this. I, one of my favorite verses um, is Hebrews 12, verse 1. It's, um, therefore, since we have such, I'm paraphrasing, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden um, and run the race. And that's kind of like that cloud of witnesses is what you're describing. It's always a good reminder to me, like with what you said, that's not just, yes, God is our ultimate protector, as the Psalm says, but we have the, the saints and our loved ones who we believe are with God, you know, looking out for us as well. And it is a beautiful reminder. I think this Psalm is such a perfect, I've, I feel been feeling really discouraged lately. I, I like you was super hopeful. You know, I think when we spoke in the summer, we're like, Hey, things are looking up like next school year is going to be better. And like the school year has been, we can talk about, you know, how school has been for you. I, it's been a little bit better, but it's also been still really stressful, just adding more things in, you know, like last year, we kind of just got to focus on teaching. And this year, it's like a whole different kind of stress. I don't know if you feel it's, that way. <laughs> teaching plus looking after our own health and looking after yep. the health of others, our families, our students. And I, I've enjoyed being back in the classroom and physically interacting with my students. But I have also felt on a daily basis, every time I walk into the classroom, I feel like the weight of the world is on mm. my shoulders because I'm mm-hmm. looking at all of these students and I'm like, I'm doing everything that I possibly can to protect you by doing mm-hmm. everything that I can to protect myself. Mm-hmm. That being said, I can't promise you that I'm going to be able to protect you because there are no guarantees. And you know, it's not even just the pandemic, particularly if you work in education, it's, there has been so much school violence in the Mm -hmm. past few months. And so I, I look at my students and I'm like, I wish that I could tell you that when you walk into class every day, that you can just focus on your learning and you can focus on deepening your understanding of the world and getting ready for your careers. But unfortunately, you have to constantly look over your shoulder. And maybe that's another reason why this particular psalm is resonating so poignantly right now, because it is that constant reminder that you can look over your shoulder, but there are also, you know, there are also angels looking over your shoulder and sitting on your shoulder and doing that job for you as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, it's, it's, gosh, I mean, it is sad. It's really sad that like, our safe spaces maybe don't feel safe for whatever reason, like you mentioned gun violence or 
Um, and it's really easy to get, <laughs> I could go in a whole thing about just like the negative things. Actually for Christmas mass this year, father was kind of going on a, it was kind of a bummer. I was like, father, this is your opportunity for us to like, look to the manger and look to, you know, look to the heavens and mountains as the Psalm says. Right. But um, it's hard. I think even for priests and, and for all of us, whatever our background or whatever we're going through, it's just really hard right now. So um, the Psalm is such a, a good and positive reminder um, is there anything else that kind of stands out to you from this verse? One of the things that I really, what I, one of the things that I really like about it is the fact that this, there's this idea that God, it says, you know, behold, the God of Israel never slumbers nor mm -hmm. sleeps and that God is there. It's 24 hour access. And mm -hmm. I, I was listening to an interview recently that uh, Matthew Kelly had done with Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents. And he was talking about the fact that he said, I just talk to God all the time about like random things. He said, not mm -hmm. even just spiritual things. He's like, I talk to God about game shows and who's going to win this game show. He said, I just have a constant conversation with God. It doesn't never necessarily have to be deeply spiritual. It's just having that open conversation and knowing that he's always there. And that that kind of stuck with me when I heard him say that uh, because it when we have these conversations about prayer and when I think about being a child and learning to pray, one of the things that I always heard as, as a child is God is your friend. Talk to him the way you would talk to a friend. When I think about the conversations that I have with my best friend, nobody can ever follow our conversations because they're so tangential, right? We go from <laughs> one thing to the next thing to the next thing, and it makes sense to us, but it doesn't make sense to anyone else. And then I thought, well, sure, why, why can't we talk to God like that? I mean, maybe it's just we need to have a rambling conversation with someone because we have multiple things that are knocking around inside our brains and there isn't anybody else to talk to about that. So why not talk to God about mm -hmm. anything at all at any time of the day? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. The last verse, verse eight, kind of references that, like the Lord will guard your coming and your going. And the footnote um, in my Bible says like, and it's pretty obvious, the coming and going references like your ordinary human activities. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of what you're speaking of is just like talking to him in the ins and the outs of your day. I wrote um, a piece recently about like just kind of the in-between, you know, all of us are kind of in this limbo, whether it be the pandemic or just our lives are not the the highs and lows necessarily that's not daily life and so this this last psalm in, or this last verse and kind of what you're referring to is that god is there in the in between he's there in the ups and the downs and and all of it the comings and the goings and i think that's a really good point for me like i i've always kind of talked to god as a friend i identify with the person of christ usually when i'm praying like i the the son always kind of like stands out to me in my prayer is like a friendship um this psalm also to me strikes me because there is that protector like that god the father kind of vibe too so it's interesting how like this this verse touched or the psalm touches on like the father the son the the angels and all the protectors that we have right so i, I really i wasn't originally thinking about the trinitarian aspects of this but i think that they're there i don't know if you wanted to respond to any of that i think so because again when you look at it and you take it apart this psalm is not just referring to God the Father because mm -hmm. it specifically says, you know, he will not allow your foot to slip or your guardian to sleep. Okay, so it's not just him. He has others who he has assigned to you. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think that maybe 
that is in part the beauty of our relationship with with the saints as Catholics. You know, many mm-hmm. of us as Catholics are born and named after, many of us are named after saints. Mm-hmm. And so we have our patron saints and our, we celebrate or are acknowledged the, the feast day of our saint. My mom always calls me on the feast of St. Francis Assisi mm-hmm. because that's my patron saint. And she always, you know, wishes me a happy feast day. Um, both my father and my brother are named Joseph. So they're, you know, their patron saint is, um, you know, the father of Jesus. And so it's it's interesting to me that this this psalm resonates with that in terms mm-hmm. of the fact that, and who knows, maybe part of that is because we don't we don't know the mind of God and we think of him as being all powerful. But you know what? Maybe he actually can't do it all. <laughs> maybe he needs others to help him out because it's it's a pretty big job managing the entire universe. Right. Well, and, and the Trinity itself is a relationship. So I think you're right. I think all of the persons of the Trinity are equal and completely God. And that's like one of the mysteries of our faith. It's hard to wrap our minds around. But I think it shows that that relationship, that they are connected to one another. And so I think it's right to think that they're necessary for, for one another to exist, you know? Um, so I think, I don't think you're wrong. I think that there's something there. It's this amazing, like that you didn't, I didn't think about the Catholicity of this Psalm necessarily, but talking to you and seeing how like he references a guardian, like, yeah, those saints that you mentioned are totally our, our guardians. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I, 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 the, the, the Psalms were, you know, written before so many of even our saints were canonized. Right. So Mm -hmm. when you think about how much, when we talk about the divine inspiration of scripture and that, you know, that, that the Bible is divinely inspired, it, it amazes me how much foreshadowing there is in scripture. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and it's a living, that's the beauty of it. It's, there's all this foreshadowing and prophets foretold and then how Jesus totally embodies and fulfills all those prophecies and how they're all interwoven and connected. But then also it's still living for us today. We can look at this and apply it to our pandemic. We can look at this and apply to our everyday ins and outs, you know? So yeah, divinely inspired. (laughs) We can't wrap our minds around it. It, it, It's it's everything, you know, it's like no other, no other text for sure. And you as a literature professor, I'm sure (laughs) like, you know, you get that something, a line that kind of stands out to me as well. Verse six the sun shall not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And then the footnote down there, there's something about like that the harm caused by sunstroke was known to the ancients. So it's like literal there, which kind of yeah. is funny, funny to me. And then they also thought in ancient times that the moon may have harmful effects. So I don't know. That was just kind of an interesting. I, I was thinking about that when yeah. I was reading it. I thought, well, especially I live in a southern state. I know the uh-huh. damage that the sun can do. But I'm like, Really? What can the moon do? <laughs> like, so it's it's funny that they thought of it literally because I'm thinking like metaphorically, right? I'm like, okay, so the Lord is, you know, protecting me from anything that is harmful, not literally just the sun, right? Or right. not literally the moon. The moon and the sun represent other things like that right. could be harming me. But I just think it's funny that the footnotes were like, nope, it's literal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, as you as like an English professor, you know, thinking about like, the interpretations and usually scripture yeah the literal you know the literal and the figurative and that's one of the fun things i think about reading the psalms is because i my brain sort of splits off in two different directions there's the religious there's looking at the bible as a religious text and then i very often look at the bible as a literary text yep 
And so that that's always one of the fun things that I've come to appreciate more recently about the Psalms. There's a really funny there's a really funny scene at the very somewhere at the beginning of um of Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte right before she goes off to school and the the scary minister comes to talk to her and says do you read your bible child and you know she's well, you know sometimes and he asks her what she likes about the bible and she talks about the stories of Daniel and she talks about um some of the i think chapters in Genesis it's been a while since i've read the novel but and he asks her if she likes the Psalms and, you know, she's a 10 year old girl. So mm -hmm. she says no, because she thinks the Psalms are boring. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when, and I think it's because maybe the heavy language of the Psalms are things that we, something that we have to maybe wrestle with. It doesn't read, when you read the gospels, for example, or when you read the story of Daniel and the lions, or when you read the story of Samuel, or when you read about Ruth and Esther those have a very linear literary structure to them. And it's mm -hmm. very easy for us to follow. The Psalms, not so much. Mm -hmm. So, but I think when you kind of approach it as, as poetry, it, it cracks open some of that. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I think just um, from teaching scripture to my students, they love the stories of Exodus and Genesis and those like epic stories like you're talking about, just because they're kids. And I think that's why, you know, kids like reading storybooks and things that's it they like that story or those the epics but psalms i think for us as adults we can relate because we've lived more life and they all have an emotion to them so i like the psalms because you know if i'm feeling sad there's an emotion or a psalm for that if i'm feeling i need like this one i need hope like there's a psalm for that you know so i think that once kids get a little bit older they'll appreciate the poetry and the emotion behind them i try to do like um like a dramatic psalm activity where they have to read the psalm and then as a group they can act it out or they can mm -hmm. do like a rap with it or they can, they have to like try to convey the emotion of it and you probably do that with like your poetry and, and literature um, but that's something a way for them to kind of connect with it a little bit more is to tap into the emotion of it so what else would you like to say about the psalm is there anything else that stands out to you i think just as as a takeaway i think that the fact that this, you know, the fact that, that this psalm has been written and recorded and the fact that it exists and these things have been put into words is is a really, really powerful reminder to us that we we need those words, that it's mm -hmm. it's not, you know, don't necessarily take for granted that faith faith can sometimes lend itself readily to hope, but it doesn't always do that. Sometimes yeah. it's grasping it you're grasping at straws and so i think the fact that these are these words are recorded and they're in in a format for us to turn to is also an important reminder that hope is not hope is not a constant that sometimes it it flickers and that that's okay because we're we're only human and we're not we're not going to feel super hopeful every single day. And I think that that's the beauty of the Psalms overall. Like you said, that there are joyful Psalms, but there are also sorrowful Psalms. And there are times when you look at them and sometimes you can feel David's anger and frustration with the Lord. He wasn't always praising God. Sometimes mm -hmm. he was angry. Sometimes he was grieving. Sometimes he was frustrated. And those are very human emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that I, I would for myself like to spend a lot more time reflecting on in terms of how the Psalms can 
help us to to pray a little bit more deeply and or pray a little bit more emotionally. I agree. That's very beautifully said. I like what you said about um, hope not being necessarily a constant or a given, you know, and I think that we we recognize that in these times and there it's very freeing to just like hear you say that and to to accept that and just, you know, we're not so reading something like this can help us convince us a little bit, you know, maybe like we can kind of talk, <laughs> talk ourselves into it because I think there is a confidence in this psalm. So whether we are believing it or not, we can tell ourselves, okay, I lift my eyes toward the mountain. Where is my help going to come from? My help is in the Lord. You know, like I have to tell myself that. And even the author, you know, whether it be David or not, is saying like, okay, he's asking with a question and he answers it for himself. And so we kind of get to do that too, or have to do that too. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves, okay, what's going on? What's this about? Okay, this is what it's about. You know, we have to remind ourselves. I think that's really um, a good point. It makes me wonder if he says that, you know, he asked that question, you know, I I raise my eyes to the mountains from, you know, where does my help come from? And it's Mm -hmm. this idea that that that's a huge, that's a huge thing for us because it means that whoever wrote this understood the feeling of being lost too, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I think we, and, and the Bible is full of that. I mean, even, you know, when you look at other areas, when you look at Job, for example, um, sometimes the only way he got what he wanted was by shaking his fist at God. And sometimes we have to do that because we don't understand and we just have to throw up our hands and say, what's going on? What are you doing? Right. Um, and I think particularly during the pandemic, there's a lot of fist shaking at God right now. I'm sure that he's definitely been on the receiving end of quite a bit of that. Yeah. No, because we don't understand. It's, you know, this is a time where we've, it's just everything is it doesn't make sense. And so, like you said, I think the author of this, and I find that throughout the scriptures, I, again, that's why I think the Bible is such a, a, a beautiful text is that even though it was written, you know, centuries and thousands of years ago, we can still relate and connect to the emotion and particularly the Psalm. So I think we've talked about this, like from so many different angles, which is definitely <laughs> the point. Um, is there anything like last kind of like takeaways that you, you want to leave us with? Just, I think if for anybody that that is trying to spend more time with the Psalms or anybody who's listening, I think when you when you read this, don't get frustrated with yourself if you read it and you don't feel this sudden rush of hope and joy because it's not always going to be that magical. I think it has to be that that small, quiet voice. Just sometimes read it and remind yourself, okay, I don't – sometimes I do feel like that. Like, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. I'm going to go out into the world today, and I'm going to know that the Lord is going to guard my comings and goings. But there may be days, and I've had many of them recently, where I don't feel like that. And I can be okay in the knowledge that, you know what, I don't feel like that today. But maybe I'll feel like that tomorrow and eventually I will feel like that. I don't have to feel like that today because it's not the emotion. Our emotions are not a light switch. Yeah. I think, and luckily there's a Psalm for every emotion, like we've said. And and, uh, the church, you know, this is kind of last thing I'll say, like um, the church does set us up. The Psalms are such an integral part of the mass. You know, we hear from the Psalms in every mass daily and on Sundays. And then also when I was in the convent and like, if you pray with the liturgy of the hours, whether you're a religious person or not, um, you know, they, they read the Psalms pretty much throughout the day, like 
every you know morning and noon and night they have they just kind of recite these psalms and like you said they may not be feeling it i know when i was praying them when i lived in the convent i wasn't always feeling the psalms um but they are those good reminders uh, um, of all these emotions that we've been talking about so thank you for bringing this psalm to us it was i think a really i'm always so impressed i mean i'm it's god you know it's not me but like whoever I'm talking to, whatever scripture they bring, I feel like is like one that I kind of need in that moment. So thank you for bringing this reminder for me. Um, I was able to do it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And um, at the end, I do let people promote anything. So is there anything you'd like us to check out or anything you want to draw our attention to that you're working on? Definitely. I know we talked about this the last, um, the last time. Definitely, if you have an opportunity and you were just Googling um, – check out the Xavier Society for the Blind. You can just Google them and they have done some really incredible things for making materials. They're, you know, nonprofit. They've done some really incredible things for making scriptural materials and religious materials freely accessible to uh, to blind and visually impaired Catholics. But also um, you can, if you want to just... If you want to follow me as well, I you can find me on Twitter at fmarinero17. And I've been talking a lot about just my journey as a teacher right now during the pandemic and and on a faith on a faith basis. Um, I kind of flit in and out of social media depending on what my schedule allows. But um, I'm there, and there's you know as we said earlier at the beginning, there's also just some dabbling in my literature background, uh, particularly related to to Jane Austen fandom. So you may get treated to some of that as well. But if you're you know continuing to uh, if you anybody wants to take an interest in just what I'm up to, you can certainly find me find me on Twitter now and again. Awesome. And if anyone wants to follow me, I'm on Instagram at seven mile chats, all spelled out. I'm also on Twitter and it's at mistruckly one M S S T R U K L one. I also talk about teaching and Catholic education there. Francesca, it's so great to talk to you. You're the number one guest, but also just, just great to talk to you. And I love talking to a fellow teacher. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye everyone. <laughs>